Welcome to the Georgia Songbirds, brought to you by Anchor FM. And yes, ma'am, music. We are here with Mr. Ryan, Little Eagle. What's up, everybody? How y'all doing? He's got uh, the experience today he gets is we're sitting outside in the gazebo, and it's cold, and we both have our hands in our pockets, just talking away. I guess it beats 100 and something back in Texas, so. Is that where you're from, Texas? Born and raised. Born and raised. Yeah, it'll get that, it'll get that way here sometimes, but it won't stay yeah you get like maybe a few days i'm at adjusting your level so we can hear you so tell everybody about yourself ryan uh oh what else what all you want to know i'm just a texas boy now living in georgia trying to figure out my way around the music industry out here uh started playing singing about two two and a half years ago and just trying to stay busy man <laughs> so you just two, two and a half years yeah you? okay now, yeah. why did that die? My my died on me for a second. Okay, <laughs> maybe because I'm cold. Now I've seen you around. You do some open mics yourself, and you play a lot too, right? I do. Uh, I'm playing a lot here recently. Uh, I've run a few open mics too, but it's hard to make them go. And yeah. you know, a lot of a lot of venues, like immediately they think it's going to be like a major hit right off the bat, and it's like uh, it's it's going to take a little <laughs> bit of time to build a community. I mean. It takes time and promotion on both sides, and mm-hmm. you know I've I've worked with some great venues. But I won't lie, uh, one of my favorites, and it's still going. I didn't start it. I, I took it over for a little bit. Now my friend Gabe Myers running is the one at Emily's, and I like using Emily's as a really good example of a successful open mic because it's hit and miss. Like uh-huh. there's some weeks there, it's packed. There's some weeks it's it's very dry um before the pandemic apparently you couldn't get in there almost it was so busy and but the owner the owner understands that Rolf Rolf's a great guy him and Marina Mariana eh, can't eh, can't speak today anyways they 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 know that like Rolf promotes it if Mm -hmm. if nobody else promotes it Rolf at least he's promoting it on the same time like he knows it's gonna be slow some weeks it's gonna be better other weeks he just he's not like holding it against anybody That's why it's running so well to me, at least. Yeah, I I do the one on Bradley's, and the same thing. It's hit or miss. Yeah. And I told the guy, I said, you know what? I said, if I can't really promote it, I said, I'll get word of mouth, but that's all I'm going to get. So then they moved me from one week to every other week. Yeah. And I was like, well, you just kind of shortening my straw right there. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll get you what I can. And then I, I'll throw like a competition in here. We'll start here in January. Yeah. Uh, I've got a buddy at – um at uh after dark donnie hammonds is going to give like a demo stuff out and then yeah a couple like a paid gig through bradley's and maybe somewhere else and then as we, as we grow it'll get, it'll get that way too that'd be pretty cool so now are you around this side of town or are you like, um, uh, i'm actually living over in dawson county uh you had a drive yeah it's not too bad I, i'm gonna go play over at the local tonight and sixes for their open mics go play okay with daniel and matt you know usually make a point to come out this way every now and then <laughs> I think I saw you at Matt's. I played my band went up there and played at Matt's. I think yeah. it was it was your father or your grandfather who who went with you? They they played the uh, the flute up there with you. Uh, that was my dad. Your dad, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because now tell everybody you play. Um, you're a songwriter from Texas. Yeah. Um, what brought you down to Georgia? So my dad worked for a graphics printing company back in San Antonio, and uh, Scientific Games over in Alpharetta bought him out. Okay. And I guess somewhere down the line, whoever was running the 
running the uh, San Antonio location just wasn't doing the job right and they were losing more money than they were making so they decided to go ahead and shut down the plant uh basically those who got let those who weren't those who were i guess not performing well got fired mm-hmm. those who they thought you know i guess would still do a good job they ended up offering a contract to come out to the come out to Alpharetta where scientific games is based okay my dad was one of the people who got a contract so he moved out this way and i was just going through a lot when i was living there so I just packed up and left too yeah, now when I was younger, I worked at a uh, machine plant in Marietta. Yeah. And machine work is not is not easy. Plant work is not easy at all. Yeah. My machine caught on fire I don't know how many times. Dang. And I told them the last time I fought the fire, I remember because it was, uh, they were, we were made like puppy pads. That's what we made. Yeah. So we're running this uh, pulp through there, and it turns into like this fluff, and it's basically just like stuff inside a diaper, so it's very yeah. flammable. Right, and so they they had these hot glue lines that seal up the diapers. Yeah, and so I, one of the glue lines busted, and the machine caught on fire. Yeah, and then when it hit that glue line, it just spread. Yeah, so I ended up putting out the fire, and I told him that's the last time I put out that fire. I said I'm not a fireman; I don't get paid enough. Yeah, you know, so, heard that. So heard the, that. It, it bothers me when these people like just let go of people underperforming. There's there's a reason. The higher ups never get fired; it's always the lower ones do. That's very true, and I mean it's it's crazy even hearing like stories in certain places, you know. And of course, you know you got with my dad. My dad was doing a pretty good job, but he was just kind of found himself in a rut. Mm-hmm. And you know, mistakes were being made elsewhere. But you know, he was one of the he had us. He was there with the company for 17 years, so it was at that time, I guess, going through the beginning of the bailouts. Uh-huh. So it's essentially, uh, let's see, how can we? cut people without having to pay a pension let's see he's at 17 years let's cut him we could pay somebody to do his job for half the price yeah so that's kind of i i totally understand that oh yeah they let my mom like this is all family owned land so my mom's up there and i take care of her she was living with me for a while she just moved back to her house to see if she could do it on her own yeah but i take care of her and everything around here well she was making good money at zarnowski for like she's like 60 something seventy thousand dollars no college education yeah. So then they hired some college kid, fired her, and paid paid them half as much of what they're paying. Yeah, fortunately, it sounds about how people treat <laughs> business. I mean, you can't knock it because it makes sense. You know, if you could pay somebody, if you could pay somebody less to do the job, you right. know, it makes sense cost wise. But at the same time, it's like that's the problem with a lot of industries is the fact that you lose the the personal aspect of it. Sometimes, I mean, if you cut somebody out who's been doing it Mm -hmm. for a while yes you're paying more but you have a better chance of morale and a better chance of the job getting done in a quicker timelier fashion in a better fashion but there's just something i mean i am i'm all for making money yeah i get that i mean i do this this thing for free and i do it for free as long as i could yeah i'm not saying I, i wouldn't take money if somebody wants to sponsor me i'll be more than happy to accept and do their stuff but there's got to be a line for ethics too because yeah People that have been there that's been like 17 years have been there and the backbone and helped grow deserve to be part of it. You yep. know, like the what I did my company's way it's set up is it goes by time there. So, like, I'm the owner and I got another business partner and then the next guy in line is my technician. Well, he's been there the longest. So, yeah. when we start retiring and backing off and he'll get more responsibility and make more money. And yeah. Yeah promote within i would i mean we're not as big as some of these companies making billions of dollars but still. yeah and i mean those companies they just they they don't see it 
I, I used to work for Boot Barn, and I was there for three years. I mean, I, I learned how to do everything in a small store. I learned from receiving. I was starting to learn management, but I never got a chance to do anything. Mm -hmm. And constantly, you know, it was constantly like, hey, can I try to go for this position? Can I try to go for that position? I was starting to look at other states. I got in trouble for looking for a management position at, and seeking out a management position. Mind you, on the little company thing that says, here are the store locations, what, what positions are trying to be filled. Mm -hmm. It says right there, contact <laughs> such and such. And freaking store manager, the, not the store manager, but the district manager constantly yelling, getting mad, pissed off. It, it was it was just a bunch of bull. Even worse was when uh when I was in Texas, I ended up transferring, working for him in Texas, and my manager was pretty cool. He gave me an opportunity. I went to Houston to work the Houston Rodeo. Okay. And got a lot more opportunity. Got learned a lot more. And I thought from there it was like okay, now that now it's a chance to start seeing to do a lot more to move up to. Never amounted to anything, and by the by the end of it, I got so dejected. I was just there. Yeah, I did my job. I did it well. Customers liked me. I was always helping customers, but you know, management didn't say think I was doing any. I wasn't really trying. I was like, you guys are paying me seven twenty five an hour, or my bad, my my in three years my little fifty cent raise. <laughs> it's like, you're not paying me worth a damn to be here at this point. Yeah, there's, I mean, I'm, I'm just here, <laughs> and that happens a lot. My last, well, not my last. Yeah, I've 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 worked for myself for companies yeah. probably ten years old, but I've always had jobs pretty much where just give me to work and leave me the hell alone. I'll do yeah. it, you know. But occasionally, when I was when I was 19, I, I got a girl pregnant. I had to go get a real job. I said yeah. a real job because I was working three or four of the little jobs, and the people there, most of the managers were good. Yeah, you know, but you had one that was always drunk. But he's going to tell me what to do. And I just told him, I said, look, you got shit for brains. I said, yeah. you want me to do something that, one, can't be done because we're running. I, I brought this machine up. And we'll get to music in a minute, I promise. Oh, no, you're all good. Uh, this is how we kind of rail off on all kinds of stuff. But I told him we got the machine running up faster than it's ever ran. Yeah. I got the production up. And he wanted me to slow it down because the Dolphers were complaining. I'm like, first of all, they're doing the job. They're complaining. I'm not turning it that yeah. fast. I said, they want to complain because they want to work. Bring me Dolphers that does. Yeah. I'd be more than happy to, to do it, you know. So, But we had to fix our own machines. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's even like with Boot Barn. Uh, when I was in San Antonio, I ended up getting a job at SeaWorld working for the AV team. Okay. And I was making, you know, 15 16 an hour. And I, I told Boot Barn, like, I'm going to – I just picked up this new job. I'll be working 30, 40 hours a week. I don't know what my schedule is yet. I'm trying to get something nailed down. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, it's fine. Just let us know. So I was constantly telling them, like, hey, they, they're they constantly switching up my schedule. One week I have this day off. So I told them what I'd do is I'll let you know my day's off. And, like, because everybody's always calling out, just call me in. I'll, yeah. I'll come in, I'll put in a shift. You know, never hear much from them. Constantly texting my assistant manager. My assistant manager was cool. But there was a management shift. A new assistant manager got hired from Walmart to work there. She didn't have a clue what she was doing. She's belittling everybody in there. She got on to me a few times. I remember one time she's like snapped her fingers, pointed at me and did the whole finger like come here and tried braiding me. He's like, you don't yell you don't yell towards me because she had, she's like saying something like I can't hear you like it's like you just come here when except like one you ain't my mom two you ain't not paying me enough to do this <laughs> but by the end of it when my contract at SeaWorld ended and i went back 
the new manager gave me a lot of crap. She's like, well, you haven't worked in six months. And a lot of, I'm like, okay, let me be frank with you. I'm making $16 an hour working 40 hours a week versus here where I'm lucky to get 10 If I have 20 I get cut to 10 uh-huh. at $8 an hour. Oh, yeah, I mean, I understand that. I mean, nobody's saying nothing about that. It's just you haven't worked. Like, that's the thing, though, is I've told you, I've given you the days that I'm like, I'll be there. Just call me in. I'll be there. And yeah, nothing like, I don't know. It left on decent terms. But when I came back here, I the store manager at the one in Gainesville, like I'm good friends with her, but district manager won't bring me in. Says I'm unreliable. I'm just like, really? Because... I was always there. I was putting in a lot of hours. I was always getting called in, mm. and I worked every department. Like, because here in Georgia, it's a small store, so you cover the whole store. Right. San Antonio, it's huge, so everybody gets sectioned off in departments. I was in boots. I was selling boots. I was beating a lot of people in sales, and the old a couple of the old guys there, uh, I guess, felt threatened. So before I know it, all of a sudden, I'm now in the men's department. <laughs> just fine I remember one Black Friday my, I don't remember if it was Black Friday or no it wasn't Black Friday it was Thanksgiving day oh. yeah we were open Thanksgiving like I totally disagree with that too by the way like we are open Thanksgiving and the old man in the boots because he was with the previous company called Shepler's and you know he's bragging about making his sales you know he sold like four grand by the end of the night, I was working in men's. I sold maybe a handful of boots. I mainly sold shirts, uh, hats, not really hats, but like ball caps, jeans, belts. By the end of the night, I sold like $9,500 worth of stuff. Yep. And it's just like, I get, not only do I get your sales, but my return rate is very low. Like, then I got shipped over to the women's department. And I still had success in the women's department. <laughs> I got sent to hats. I was a cashier. God, I hated being a cashier. Yeah, no, I was a cashier. I was a blockbuster video. That's the last time I was ever a cashier. Is how long ago that was? Well, see, and like I talked to the manager about it. I'm like, why am I a cashier? Like, I I really don't feel like I'm doing a good job here because everybody's saying I'm stealing sales because my numbers are always good. My numbers are good because I talk with people. Yeah. I, I have a degree in communications. I was a debater. Like. Talking is something I can do, especially when it comes to people. And I've, I've learned to be genuine. And so all this controversy comes up about it. I tell my manager, he's like, no, I want to keep you up there because you're one of our better talkers and you're get, getting our capture goals and all this stuff. And like, I'm having this issue and you're telling me, like, everybody's complaining and you're going to leave me up here? Like, yeah, I had so many bad experiences that I just, I kind of left it. I haven't tried going back. Now, did debating actually help? Does it help you with your music? Uh, you know, maybe. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, it definitely taught me a lot with uh, problem solving. Okay. As well as, I guess, how to, how to I guess, mediate. I think that's probably one thing where it's helped me in music. Um, okay. I've had a, I had a recent uh, thing come up with a venue where, I guess, it's a family-run venue uh the the moms the moms overall in charge the kids work there i guess kids like level management i don't know yeah i don't know the dynamics all i know is we set up to do a show with 
I set up to do a show with the son because I was trying to get a hold of the mom, but emails and stuff not always working out. And then all of a sudden, you know, comes time for the show. And I mean, weeks we were weeks out before the show. And I'm constantly posting in social media. I'm tagging them in it because it's gonna it's gonna flag up. Somebody's gonna hear. If it's not gonna happen, somebody's gonna see something. Right. Day comes, I go, I set up. Nobody knows I'm gonna be there. <laughs> I'm like, well, what are y'all talking about? Like, been planning this for? Well, yeah, we didn't think you were gonna come. Like, we didn't. We weren't sure what was going on. Nobody told us nothing. This is the kids that told you that, right? This is one of the employees. Oh, Not even the family, because the, the kid told me the whole time it's going on, it's going on. You know, we get through the evening, and I'm just like, okay, now comes the awkward part. I need to get paid, so just trying to figure out, okay, hey, what's the plan? Like, I know nobody really knows what's going on. So the employee texts the owner. I guess the owner's try, like, no clue what's going on. Before I know it, she gives the the owner my number, and I'm getting... Uh, I'm not getting cussed out, but I'm getting bitched out. Sorry, uh, I don't know. If nah, you ain't language. gonna hurt nothing on this. <laughs> but I'm getting bitched out for a good solid, you know, 30, 30, 40 minutes to the point of just like, you know, I can just grab my stuff and leave. Like, I don't have to stay. And it's just like that whole thing, you know, she's getting worked up telling me, you know, you can't expect a 19 year old kid, yada, yada. I'm just like, well, I used to work at a brewery where there's a 23 year old who's running it outside with the owner so i'm not going to say anything about anybody's age right i mean she's in charge of not only brewing beer but she's in charge of booking entertainment helping run the run the establishment i mean yeah she's like next in line <laughs> see people say that oh you can't ex- you know what if you don't expect it they'll never do it yeah so i was 19 years old. i had a family you know yeah. i was working so th- I-, I agree with you i don't think you can but related it's like, to age, but yeah. if you're blowing it up and you're doing it for weeks and texting, then it's yeah. on them to respond. And, and it's just like the thing though is like this whole time she's got all mad and worked up. I, to me, that's where like the debate helps out because yeah. it's like sitting back, like all right, let's let's calm down. You're having an emotional reaction to a point that it, you're you're in shock. It's something that just came up, and I I understand where you're coming from. Let's just kind of step back, reassess it. You know, let's find a day, let's pick a day, let's talk, let's see about setting, if we want to continue working together, if not, you know, let's just go with that way. And then I get brought up, you know, how my reputation would be messed up if I just sat and left and this and that. Like, it's really not, but, okay, you know, I'm just going to take it. We're just going to settle this out. We'll talk, we'll see. If anything, it's taught me to try to see other perspectives. See, the redneck in me would come out and I would not be able I don't have a degree in debating. I have a – I'm pretty good with people listening because I used to be a collector yeah. for power company. I'd cut people's power off, and yeah. they liked that I did it because I didn't care. I mean, it's not like that I didn't yeah. understand people's problem, but if I got – I told them if, if I cared about your problems, I'd lose my lights too. Yeah. I said, so just pay the bill, do whatever you got to do. Somebody like that, I mean, like, I, I can't stand it when somebody does – when they're wrong yeah. and then they threaten you. Yeah, that that just pisses me off to no end. And I mean, it. I'm not. It took a lot to kind of bite because I was. I, I was getting mad. I was getting. I was getting pretty mad. But you know, it. 
if anything, debates taught me, you know, let cooler heads prevail. Like, my favorite thing to do is on Facebook, because, you know, everybody's a, everybody's a warrior on Facebook. My favorite thing to do is to post something out there and kind of just engage in the dialogue, see where it's at. Mm-hmm. I present my viewpoints. I let them present theirs. And we'll see where it goes. Like, I I don't show any disrespect. Like, okay, I understand where you're coming from. I mean, it makes sense, but have you thought about looking at through this lens? Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember... It was say what you want, Delonica, the uh, Facebook group. And somebody posted, and this was like height of Black Lives Matter stuff, and the the protests and everything. And somebody put in there like, you know, Delonica or uh, Georgia racist be like, we're not racist yet live in all these towns named for native names like Delonica, Etowa, uh, different native words being used. Right. And I mean, people just lamb bastard her like the whole nothing but negative comments so i decided to try like okay i've got a little bit more credibility than she does let me try this so i took the same post i posted it out there and we got it i had one where it was just like it's like talking to a brick wall where you know they start getting all offensive and stuff and the rest we had long dialogues and if anything a lot of people learn stuff. I learned some stuff. And to me, that's that's where debate kind of helps in. And like I said, when it comes to de- like talking with people, it's learning to see from other perspectives. Yeah. That's probably the biggest thing that's helped me in music. See, I play, I play devil's advocate all the time on why yeah. she hates it. Because I, I can totally agree with her, but I'll, I'll bring up the other point just to piss her off and make her start talking. <laughs> yeah. But... I'm 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 very big on like people don't want my opinion. Don't ask me my opinion because you really don't want it. Yeah. My opinion is not your opinion. You know, I have my thoughts. There's nothing you can say is going to change my mind. Yeah. And there's nothing that's going and that's where the brick wall comes into. And yeah, I may be wrong and I may I know that I may be wrong. Yeah. But I'm still not going to change my mind on it. Yeah. I, if you if you, these people that that dig and like, "Oh, well, you need to do it this way." Yeah. No, I don't. I need to do it my way and you need to leave me the hell alone because yeah. I'm not bothering you. Why, why, why are you going to tell me how to do something? And that's the thing. Like, you have to accept that about people. There's some people that are very, like, driven in their in their philosophy, their ideology. That's fine. There's yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. That That is the beauty of this country. We can agree to disagree. We can all have our own viewpoints, all have our own opinions. Right. I mean, it's like a lot of the stuff when it comes down to race, you know. It's, it's a real issue. I, I will always stand that systematic racism is a real thing. I believe it. I've seen it. I've been a part of it. I've I've seen areas where it affects. I've seen families go through stuff. Mm. Do I believe racial profiling is a thing? Yeah. I, I've seen it growing up in Texas. I've seen my friend. I'm, I mean, I'm Latino and I'm native. I'm paler complected. I tend to get away with more stuff than friends of my, than my cousins who are darker. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's a, it's a sad fact. But do I believe it goes to this point where, like, you're calling out everybody, everybody's a racist, this, this, and that. It's like, no, there's a difference between ignorance and there's a difference between purpose. Right. And the reason I, I, I say that is because there are people who are that way. I mean, just straight up driven. That's how their philosophy. It is what it is. Can't change it. You just let it let it be. There are those, though, who don't know. Right. I. I, I do a lot of like Native American uh, cultural teachings, uh, educational programming. I've done lectures at colleges. I uh, did one at uh, Mercer last year. And, you know, in these talks, 
we'll get to talking about like reservation life. Mm. Nobody knows. Like I, I've talked to many people who don't understand like a reservation like out west is almost like a third world country. I mean, you're talking utter poverty, no clean drinking water. Yeah. Uh, violence beyond violence. Teacher turn like in Pine Ridge because I I've done so many reports on it. Like, I think it was two thousand. I think it was 2015, 2016. It's got a 70% dropout rate. But you're talking that compiled with the teacher turnover rate of 800%. Right. So it's like, that's that's a reality of what they live in. And I, you know, I get to talks with people and they're like, wow, we never even knew that. We didn't know that was a thing. We didn't know that was going on. So it's like, you know, it, ignorance isn't to be stupid. It's just you don't know because you don't see it. it it is what it is i mean it's just like you know if joe fancy down the street is everything looks fine on the outside and all of a sudden goes on a killing spree and you go whoa what the heck right well there's something psychological going on that nobody knows i mean there's so many ish instances where people see stuff like that happen in the news and they go but he he was such a good boy. <laughs> well, there some warning signs. There's blinders on everybody though. Yeah. I mean, it is it is true. I've been like I said, I'm I'm white and country. Everybody thinks okay, well you wouldn't get stopped. I've been stopped a lot, and yeah. more when I was younger because yeah. they they're always looking for young kids because they don't know any better. Yep. They, they don't they don't know how to respond to them. And you know what? You, you learn. Yeah, is it unfair? But you learn that if you just Say yes, and you be polite, and do what you're told. Yeah, go get a lawyer. Then you'd be a lot safer afterwards. Like I've got, I got my truck searched. I was 18. Yeah, and some people on the story they heard this story. Buddy of mine had a warrant out for his arrest, so he called yeah. the police and it's like, "Oh, can I be dropped off at, at the store down the road?" And he's yeah. like, "Yeah." And then he said, "And Jesse, will bring me." I was like, "Don't tell them my name. Do not even bring me up." Yeah. So I was like, "But he already is." So I, I drove and. I'm, dropped him off and as soon as i pulled in i got surrounded by cops yeah and they're all searching my truck like, well we're gonna search your truck because we smell weed it's like no you don't i don't oh, that, smoke i would say that was that was me well you don't mind if we search your truck had i known better i'd say yeah it's locked and you can't search it yeah but you know they did search it they didn't search it very well because there was a bottle of liquor under my seat yeah. and i was underage so they didn't check it very well i must say that that happened to me a couple of weeks ago i was coming back from helen i was playing in helen come back through dawsonville i just want to go get some food mm-hmm. guy pulls me over Ooh, i smell i smell alcohol like i poured out a beer before i left because i didn't finish it it was all warm like i drank one beer in three hours yeah I'm well, well, say I do more than that. We're like, oh, uh, well, uh, can, can we search your car? Can we do? Like, no. Like, why? What am I in trouble for? You're not in trouble. And you go through that whole whole spiel. It's just like. I had to take a breathalyzer one time. I, I, there was one time. Uh, I, I was just so annoyed. I was driving with a friend of mine. And he got pulled over. And, you know, they they pull me out of the car. They smell, quote, again, smell alcohol, pull me out of the car and stuff. And, you know, they're going to do the whole breathalyzer thing. I'm like, is it because I'm Latino? Is that why? Because you saw Molina on my last name. Is that why? His face, just like, I'm not going to lie. I had a little fun with that one. That's like how Gabriel Iglesias always messes with people. Yeah. That's my kid's favorite comedian. They, he gets into there. See, my one. mom, 
got pulled over one time. Yeah. She was drunk. There was open containers in yeah. her car because of the dumbass that she was with. Yeah. She didn't go to jail. They called me to come get her. Yeah. I'd have went to jail. They called me. At, like She called me like at 11 or 12 o'clock at night. Yeah. My son was like 8 or 9. He was yeah. asleep. So I had to bring him in the back of the truck to go get her. And I got her. And I was so pissed off. And then the guy that was with her, I just I laid into him. It was I yeah. was pissed. I, and I told her, I said, you're very lucky. Now, my wife works for the sheriff's office, so yeah. she always tells me there's good cops. And they are. There's always there are. good cops. I mean, my aunt my aunt was a cop in uh, New Braunfels, Texas. You know, she wasn't corrupt. She was straight right. up with you. And then my uh, my uncle was a sheriff. Now he's a fire marshal for Como County, Texas. Yeah. I've got a story that's funny as hell about that one, too. Well, tell it. I like hearing funny <laughs> stories. We'll get the music uh, in here. Guys, listen, I promise we are going to get some music played when you start talking and yeah. conversations go in there fun. Well, so I'm sitting with a friend of mine that I went to high school with. I went to elementary school, high school with. We're, we're hanging out. All of a sudden, we get this call from his sister. You know, something's going on where they're staying. You know, shit's hitting the fan. The cops are getting called. You know, all of a sudden, his brother's not the smartest. <laughs> his brother does have anger issues. So we get there, you know, you F this, F that, you F pig. His brother's getting arrested. He's threatening to fight all the cops. One of the arresting officers was my uncle. <laughs> we pull up on the scene. I see him like, Uncle Chris, what are you doing here? Like, I think you're arresting my buddy's brother. We got told something was going on. We're just coming to kind of take him away. It's like, yeah, he's threatening to fight everybody. So that that was a, that was a fun time running into my uncle. Right. <laughs> yeah, guys, don't fight the cops. Just do what they say and then go somewhere else. <laughs> well, shit, I'll say my uncle too. He he didn't care who you were. If you're breaking the law, you're breaking the law. Right. My uncle. So uh, you ever watch wrestling? I love wrestling. Okay, you know Shawn Michaels, right? Yes. So Shawn Michaels used to have a house in Bulverde, Texas, or Spring Branch. Uh-huh. Um, my buddy used to work on his car every now and then. You know. But Sean would drive up past uh, Spring Ranch in Canyon Lake, Como County. He he speed time to time. My uncle pulled him over twice and gave him a ticket. He's <laughs> like, oh, oh, dude, but I'm Sean Michael. So like, there's your ticket. My uncle even pulled over the lieutenant governor of Texas once <laughs> and gave him a ticket for speeding. I mean, that's the thing. There are good cops. There are right. cops who don't don't judge you. you you did something wrong. You did something wrong. Right now, I could talk about wrestling. I could go into a whole different podcast. But I watched wrestling since I was little. My <laughs> grandfather used to take me to the army yeah. in Atlanta, and we'd watch wrestling with the uh, WCW, yeah, and the NWA, and then like with WWE, I'd take my kids. And they used to have a Georgia one here. I think they folded into something else now. Yeah, but they uh, we took I took my little kids and my little girl. I got twins now. They're eleven. She yeah. was yelling at the wrestlers and I'm like, oh. I was like, who is this child? Oh my god, I'm so proud of her. <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's get your music in, Ryan, real quick before uh, yeah. it gets dark. Because, uh, like I said, we came up here now, and it's a little later. So the sun goes down earlier here. So I want to get some music because that's why you came, to play some music. And there's a, a line behind you, too. And then we'll get to more of that stuff. Man, I could sit there and talk to you about all kinds of stuff for hours. Oh, yeah. Now, what's the music scene like in Texas? Is it different than here in Georgia? Uh, it's a little bit. So the music scene in Texas is actually pretty cool. I know a lot of uh, songwriters, like my buddy Zach Talbert, uh, Matt Polanski, Chris Holacek, Ryan Franchak, Mario Vera, 
Mark Sevy. I mean, I could go on and on. You have your you have your red dirt artist. The, those guys are, you know, like Cody Canada from Cross Canadian Ragweed, okay. Jason Bolin, Wade Bowen. You have all them that are like playing the bigger scenes, but the songwriting scene out there is incredible. Yeah. I got to meet a lot of cool writers up around the Texas Hill Country. I mean, you got Lookin' Bach, uh, Sisterdale. I mean, there's so many cool places to just kind of go get away and a lot of picker circles. Yeah. Something I kind of miss. <laughs> See, I wish they had that more here. I mean, I know Nashville is kind of where people go now for country music and just all kinds yeah. of music in general. And I'm trying to bring a lot of that here. Yeah. So I'm always curious. Like, we did a Georgia versus Tennessee uh, songwriter challenge, like, in April. And I'm so weirdly pick another state. And Texas yeah. was one state that came up. Like, Texas and Arkansas, there were a couple states that came up. There's some good writers both states. Uh, like I said, my buddy Zach's got, a so- got two songs out right now. One's called $100 Bill. Another one, uh, Poor Man's Soul. Okay. My buddy Matt Polanski, one of my favorite songs he's written. It's called Rough in Carolina. I cover that a lot. My buddy Barrio's got a few songs out. I mean, these guys do some awesome stuff. It's very Isbell-like, but okay. it's it's got a whole different flair to it. I like Midland out there. They got some. some oh, yeah. Midland's I like some of that Texas cool stuff. stuff that they got now. So what song you want to do first? Uh, let's see. Let's see. What can I do? Well... Actually, I'm going to be releasing this as a single here soon. The song's called uh, Made for Two. Or not Made for Two. Uh, if it was me. I, I wrote this when I used to work at PBR Atlanta, right there across from the Brave Stadium. Love PBR. Yeah, I was... And uh, not the rodeo. I'd like the rodeo, too, but <laughs> I drink the beer. <laughs> yeah, no, it was the... It was, the ro- it was more of the rodeo stuff. I used to operate the mechanical bull there. I used to see these kids from Kennesaw come down all the time. You know, a lot of them frat boys. Uh-huh. They bring their girlfriends with them. Probably two beers in, watch a buckle bunny go by and just forget who they came with. Of course, you know, their girlfriends get mad, sit there, get pissed off. They'd be yelling in the corner. I mean, it was clockwork. (laughs) By beer six, he saw the bull and he's like, I can do that. He'd try to get on. We'd get him set up. And then uh, his girlfriend would walk around, throw a 20 in my tip jar, just tell me to toss him. (laughs) Me, you know, I, I haven't really had anybody in a good long time. And I was just like, you know, if it was me, it'd be different. So I wrote the song. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question before we play that, though. Yeah. Now, is it true that they turned them up on the guys? Because I got on a mechanical bull, and I was sore for two weeks after that damn thing threw me Oh, uh, Well, I can't speak for whoever else drives <laughs> it. For me, I was equal opportunist. <laughs> if you were nice, I took it easy on you. You're trying to show off. You might have flown across the room. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We 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 pretty much give the same ride to everybody. It's really not as hard as people think. Um, a lot of it is positioning how to move counterbalance yeah how to maintain balance not everybody knows how to do that or you sit there and tell and they're like nope my favorite is when they decide to try to hold the reins together like they're on a horse uh-huh. and they sit there and they bob with it <laughs> so when they start bobbing forward all of a sudden it is there's times i've left it on like level one i didn't spin it nothing i just watched it bob you see they back and forth all of a sudden boom right on the hump and it's just like <laughs> Uh, yes, I probably was that bad because I know I went over the head of the damn thing. I went over the head. I don't know if it went backwards I've, or sideways. I I've seen you. that happen to some people, like going real slow. They just again they bob and all of a sudden, boom, flip right over the front. I'm just like, okay, next. <laughs> Good thing they don't chase you. Yeah.
sitting here thinking about when it came to an end. Wondered if I'll ever find love again. Looking all around, watching everybody dance. what they have I saw her standing there looking up at him didn't pay her any mind was just talking to his friends how could he be so blind he clearly didn't see she was standing there in front of him lonely as can be me, I'd notice her from the start. If it was me, I'd look into her heart. If it was me, I'd take a chance and ask her to dance. Find out where we will take this romance. It's our leave without him. Waited for a couple days, but I never saw her face. How good her pretty eyes were so focused up on him. He didn't see what he had in front of him. If it was me, I'd notice her from the start. If it was me, I'd look into her heart. If it was me, I'd take a chance and ask her to dance. Find out where we will take this romance. If it was me, I'd never let her wonder. If it was me, I'd show her my whole world. If it was me, I'd show her all. Everyone I know Just see how far Our love will go Take my chance And ask her to dance I like that I like Thank that you. Now I know I've heard you play out before, but when you're at a bar and open mic, it's hard to hear. Yeah. So let me turn that down. I'm really loud. Maybe it's loud in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I hear voices. They're loud. They're talking. <laughs> that happens a lot. I hear I, people say, "You're talking to yourself." I said, "Well, don't interrupt me." <laughs> if I'm talking to myself, you don't want to do. You don't want to be around me. I always tell my wife when we go out drinking. I said, "If I get quiet, that's the time to take me away." Honey, after beer six. If I just sit there and not saying nothing, it's because I'm talking in my head. Take me home. I sit, I sit, <laughs> it's usually not six. It's, liquor does me. When, when I get liquor, I'm usually yeah. okay. But if I either get it really funny and playful or I get quiet. Yeah. And if I get quiet, that means I'm pissed off and I'm about to fight. Yeah. Take me out. Take the redneck home. <laughs> Let me go home. <laughs> it happens all the time. Yeah. I like the story of that song. I like that. Like I said, I like story songs. Yeah. Who influenced you? Um, 
you know, I, I, I don't really know. Like, when I think about, like, how I play, of course, you know, growing up in Texas, we have George Strait, you know. He's okay. San Antonio boy, you know. He grew Can't up, go wrong with George Strait. And, like, you know, I grew up listening to his music, Randy Travis, you know. I could say that my music taste, a lot of that came from my stepdad, my mom, my grandpa. My grandpa was an old cowboy from Shamrock, Texas, like, right there in the hill country, right there in the panhandle. And I swear to you, I've been through that town. You literally blink and you pass through it. But um, I, I could say my uncle. My uncle, he's a, he's a songwriter, old country singer. He had some hits in the 80s. Uh, he's in South Dakota now. But Who's your uncle? His name's J.J. Kent. Uh, he's a Native American flutist, a singer. He also uh, had a lot of country hits back in the 80s. I want to say Two Cups of Coffee was one of the bigger uh, I think Pathway of a Fool was his number one that he had. Okay. But when I couldn't tell you, I know he talked about being with Brackets Records at one point. He was uh, he was living in Nashville for a while. He used to play over at Tootsie's and a couple other places. But, yeah. you know, as, as he said, that's a lifetime ago. <laughs> do you ever cover any of his songs? I do one of his songs. Yeah. He has a native song he wrote that I, I tend to cover. I sit there try to try to listen to his other stuff, but, like, I, I like it. I just I have a hard time playing it, but I'm still trying to figure out how to play guitar. Okay. Myself, so, what uh do you play other instruments besides guitar? Yes, I actually play the Native American flute. That's actually what more people around here know me for. Yeah, that's why I've seen it because it, it's it's unique. It is, and it's to the point like for instance sixes when I go there for the open mic. Did you bring the flute? Do you have the flute? Uh huh. I mean, everywhere I go, do you have the flute? Where's the flute? We want to hear the flute. So. Make him wait to the last song, don't you? Uh, no, <laughs> you de- should. <laughs> it depends. If if, it, if I'm one of those where it's like a four-hour gig, I'm just trying to film pad time, you know, loop pedal, loop a, loop a section, and just throw a flute to it. Makes See, it a little I'm easier. So, I'm so horrible time, and, I, and everybody knows this. Listen to me. I could The loop pedals throw me off every time. Yeah. you got one, two, three, four, and then hit it. You know, so yeah. like, you can hear when it's off. So I can't imagine doing that to the flute. But now, does it play any reg- different, like a regular flute, or uh, it's a what pen- makes it different? It's a pentatonic minor. Okay. Uh, when that scale was agreed upon, I don't know. I know there's traces back to the late 1800s okay. of a six-hole pentatonic Native American flute. Um, the origins, of course, are older than that with our traditional stories. Um, every tribe had had some form of a flute. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, every tribe also has a former story as my uncle always says there's three instruments that are the oldest in the world the first one being that of a shaker second that being of a drum and then a flute i mean if you look at indigenous tribes all over the world whether say for instance like the maori or even um like aboriginal culture in australia didgeridoo uh china there's traditional flutes in china africa the celtic penny whistle I mean, you have stuff that dates all over the world, which yeah. is always an interesting concept to think about. That's that but, is really cool. Now, yeah. I'm gonna ask you: Do you, because you are Native American, how do you pronounce the rogue? Did you do you actually pr- pronounce it the right way? The uh, job what you came up. You know, honestly, I haven't really paid attention to it. I okay. won't lie. All right, um, we are in Sutali. Sutali. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what language it would be. I know I mean, there's a history to it. And I probably yeah. should know being here for 35 years, and I have been told probably more than once. But with me, if I don't, if I'm not told yeah. more and more, I'll forget. Well, it, it too, it's also language, and when it comes to language dialect, the reason I say that, for instance, everybody calls Dahlonega Dahlonega, right? Mm-hmm. 
So Dahlonega is a Cherokee word. Um, Cherokees, you have the United Katua Band in Cherokee Nation, Oklahoma, those who are descendants of those who walk the trail uh-huh. that are le- located in Tahlequah, around that reservation there. And then, of course, you have those who stayed behind, the Eastern Band, which is up in Cherokee, North Carolina. Now, I've talked to a few different friends. In uh, Cherokee Nation, it's Dahlonega. Dahlonega-E, or Dahlonega. Uh-huh. Western Band is Dahlonega. And it's like the pronounce pronunciation can vary even in the language itself. You know, Eastern dialect versus Western dialect. Yeah, now you got Southerners trying to say it, so it's going to come out the line ago. Oh, oh man, <laughs> I must say, if you get into, if you ever go up to Cherokee and get to talk with some of the locals, there there is a quala draw. Like there's a certain draw that you'll hear on the reservation. It, it's funny. Like I, I was hanging out with a friend of mine, uh, and found out there was a there's a young lady working at a uh, restaurant in Dawsonville. She's Ute and Dene, she's Navajo and we got to talking and she starts going off and I'm like and I could hear that res accent come out and then you've been hanging out with a lot of Cherokees I also hear that quality draw like but uh yeah I mean it's it's interesting there's like 500 and something different languages native to the United States alone yeah. see my wife is from Germany so she when she gets mad at me she'll speak German <laughs> <laughs> so I said, you can't, I said, I'm not going to learn German. I said, but I have a hard enough time with English. I mean, yeah. listen to me talk. <laughs> well, let's get here another song because it's getting dark. Normally, I'd give you tons more time. So we still got plenty of time. The sun goes down. We can play in the dark. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. I know uh, I, I tell people that when they get up here, they don't know it's yeah. a family graveyard. So when they get up here, they kind of, some people get freaked out about it. But yeah. uh, let's hear another song. Which one do you want to do? Uh, good question. Actually, I'll do a friend of mine's song. This is one that he kind of allowed me to co-write on. Okay. So, uh, my buddy, his name is Moses McKenzie. He's from uh, Dahlonega. Okay. And he he first wrote this song playing uh, for his mom. His mom said, you know, hey, that's my song. That's my mountains. And, you know, there's a, there's a deeper story behind it when he yeah. wrote it. But he, uh, what adds to it is he had to play this on at his mom's funeral. And then oh. later, when they put his mom into the ground... And uh, down the road, we he actually de- debuted it at the Crimson Moon. Later on, we'd start jamming together, and I threw some flute to it. And over time, jamming on it, he'd let me add my own verse to it. And so That's cool. This is my mountains, if I can play it without my hand freezing. <laughs> Oh, the mountains call me with a sweet sound Sound so easily found Like the sound of my old blue tick hound just running around That's where I'm going, I'm homeward bound Oh, the mountains calling me home they sing me a sweet song As I make my final journey home To where I'll never more roam Those mountains I hunted 
gathered wood ever since my childhood where friends and family were all saying that's where I'm going I'm headed to stay oh the mountains are calling me home they sing me a sweet song as I make my final journey home to where I'll never more alone. Those hills I played every day not as tall but still mounts me where the blue bonnets bloom that's where I roam no matter where I go that's always home oh the mountains are calling me home they sing me a sweet song as I make my final journey home to where I'll never more roam, never more roam, never more roam, my mountain home. I like that. Yeah, but I don't know that. Uh, he came up here and it's one of the colder days. It's, it's cold. We've been trying yeah. to do this for a while. We just, yeah. Both of us just have things going on and we can't. Yeah. So thank you for coming up here. Yeah, of course. I Thanks know it's for cold. for having me. <laughs> I know it's cold. <laughs> it's a little chilly. <laughs> builds character, right? It's my dad used to say when something was hard. It builds character. I about to say it was like this, uh, what was it, New Year's of 2018. I was in Texas and I was playing a gig in Canyon Lake and it dropped down to like the 30s. And me and three other guys, we were playing a New Year's Eve gig outside, mm-hmm. no heaters, each taking turns and just sitting there trying to get through every song. I was doing good until I popped the string on the last song. And I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> like I couldn't feel my hand going on that pick. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to play in the code. I, we went to, uh, you asked him before about Nashville. We played yeah. at the Commodore, me and my, uh, my bandmates. And he's out there with the saxophone trying to tune it up because there's no really – quiet yeah. place to tune a saxophone so by the time we tuned it up outside as soon as we stepped it inside it already came out of tune the Dang. weather just completely changed it yeah so I, I know how hard it is playing in code and that's what I, said. I had an interview with uh do you know aaron richard i don't i might he's a local from around here he plays in coming yeah. and stuff he probably plays up there too He's actually was the one that came out at the coldest night of the year. He's sitting on his hands, and we're sitting here talking. <laughs> and I'll tell you what I told him. Feel free to come back anytime when it's warmer, too. I'm, I'm more than happy I, to do that. I am down to do that. <laughs> I'm definitely down to do that down the road for sure. So I, I know both people are like, well, I don't have a nice, fancy studio. You're not going to be with the heat. You're going to be outside in nature. <laughs> we're going to hear all kinds of noises. You're going to see all kinds of stuff. You know, normally in the summertime, it's just hot, so I got my fan there. Yeah, I don't need it now. It's it's, but I am building a studio. Like I said, this is all family, so that's my house over there. Yeah, I am building a studio for inside for days when it's cold or when it's raining, and I'm that keen. way, people that's coming a great distance to see me, I can't. I'm not gonna turn you around. We we'll just go inside the the studio. Yeah, that'd be cool. So, definitely. 
but since so, I'm building it myself, it's going to take time and money. So we just got the wall up now and uh, the front plate. So I've got to go find like pallets somewhere. I'm going to yeah. break pallets down and that's going to be the outside. Yeah. And then I'm going to get like a mini split. My sister does a heat and air. So I'm going to get a mini split, put in there. And then it, it'd be nice. It's probably going to be a year or two before it's completely done, but still, I'd be keen to have for sure. Yeah. So it's also a way I can get away from my kids. <laughs> <laughs> no better place to hide. That's where uh, I used to hide when I was in school. <laughs> man, I, they they find me no matter where, and especially because I write a lot. So I'm sitting there writing. I had to, I've had to get used to writing and stopping. I know people say, "Oh, you get on writing, you got to go, you got to go." I was like, "That doesn't happen for me. Yeah. I can't. I mean, I'll get on a row, and then all of a sudden, daddy, daddy, daddy." I can't run them off. Yeah. So I gotta, I gotta do what they can. Cause you were talking about co-writing. Do you co-write a lot? Um, I want to do more. Um, I'm up for it anytime you want to, brother. Definitely, definitely down to do some stuff. Me and songwriting, I don't know. I guess I'm weird with songwriting. The reason I say this, I'm always down to work with whoever, however, do whatever. Uh, when I was in Texas, I always wanted to co-write with some friends of mine, but you know, they're like, "Eh, we don't know, man. Maybe, uh, possibly." Or we we say we're gonna do it, and we never did it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I've co-written a couple songs. For me, songwriting it just like something will go on. I'll go through something, and all of a sudden it just comes to me in one shot, and then it'll be forever before I get, a, like, another one. Right. Like, I wrote If It Was Me, and then, like, two, three months later, I wrote another song called Melody. Uh, after that, I was in a I was in a hotel room randomly in Tyler, Te- near Nacogdoches, Texas, and penned out a song, like a native protest song. Uh, I wrote, wrote one... Right when all the rioting and stuff was going on, I was up in uh, Rayburn County and mm-hmm. was staying with a friend. They rented out a uh, cabin for the weekend and just kind of getting away. And I was seeing all that on the news and it just like had this rhythm come to me, put it down. Uh, I was in a relationship a few months back. I probably should never have been in, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we we had, we were at a gig. It was slow. I looped a song and. There's nobody there. She was yeah. off, so I was like, well, "Let's dance." And down the road, we were going through some hard times, and I hadn't heard from her, so I turned around and um, I just wanted to like let her know things were fine, like you know, "Hey, I'm here for you," kind of thing. So uh, a friend of mine sent me a video that she took that night, and I sat there, stared at it for a little bit. I was I was putting it to one of the songs that she liked. And before I knew it, I had this rhythm, and I started messing with it, and then the song came out called Made for Two. And, like, that's it's kind of like one of those things where it starts, man. Like, yeah. for me, it's, I get in some kind of emotional place, finally something will come out, and then after that it just disappears for a while. <laughs> yeah, and you're not the only one about songwriters as far as, like, uh, not wanting to write. It's, 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 a, it's a culture change. Yeah. And that's, that's I've, I've said this hundreds of times. If you go to Nashville, yeah, that that's all they do. You're co-writing the minute you step into Nashville. Yeah. And there's a reason for it because it's connections, it's networking, it's also taking a point of view that you're not going to have. Yeah. And, I mean, to me, it's like back when I was in debate, you know, we come up with this solid case. I'm sitting here presenting it. And there's things that I don't see. Turn around, my partner has a totally different viewpoint mm-hmm. and helps get a better clearer message like right. that to me i like co-writing i like the idea of co-writing um 
there's sometimes I can say things that I just don't know how to put them out and right. you know having somebody who can even finish that thought you know because my, my problem is I, f- I hate I feel like I get too corny with stuff sometimes yeah like I forget the song I wrote forever ago I just wrote out lyrics I never I didn't know how to play guitar at the time I wasn't really singing either but like you know same story different ex-girlfriend she was all mad and pissed off so I wrote her a song called like Fly Like a Dove because her name was Jemima and I guess Jemima in Hebrew or whatever language I forget what language she said it was means dove so okay yeah I pen out the song it's corny as hell it's corny as hell I don't remember any of it <laughs> but like I don't know there, there's a song me and a buddy wrote called Runaway and I mean that song is funny and it sucks because it started off as a punk song and now it's a country song right <laughs> but like he was going through a breakup I was somewhere in between breakups and you know we just had a way of penning things out that kind of float out um isn't it funny how breakups make a lot of good songs they really do <laughs> they really do i know um when i got divorced uh diana's now i've been married to her for 12 years but i got divorced i had a lot of songs and yeah. i told my wife now i said you know i'm too happy i don't know how to write anything but i mean i'll write tons with everybody and, I, and i'm yeah. doing a project too and i'll like i said we'll do it we'll i like to write or co-write with songs and have somebody else sing it yeah. Because I think you get, it, it does, like I said, it gets people right in different points of view. And yeah. then also, I'm going to make it like a big CD out of it and have like 11 or 12 songs and then put it out. That'd and be I like bringing a community together. Yeah. And that, that's the best part about it, too. Even like uh, my buddy Zach, he he constantly covered my friend Matt's song, Rough in Carolina. Mm-hmm. And I love Zach's version of it. And it's just like, you know, he. He would take other songs that friends of his wrote, and and it's cool to hear somebody else's interpretation. Yeah, like I have friends that play. I'm like, if you want to cover my song, that's fine. Go ahead. Like, I'm interested to hear where you're gonna take it. Right. Because, I mean, my style, my my knowledge on a guitar is very limited right now, Mm -hmm. but it's growing. Versus somebody who maybe can do a lot more fills, a lot more runs. Maybe somebody who has a more powerful voice than I have. Like, and it. I'm always, I'm always interested to hear other people's interpretations because even that's the same thing. It's like, uh, what is it, Tennessee whiskey? Yep. You know, hear George Jones sing it and then turn around. Now you have uh, Chris Stapleton's version. You know who really did it though, right? We're gonna we're gonna get this cover. And this it's funny you say that because this yeah. conversation comes up a lot. We had a bandmate. Yeah. Uh, we were, we did cover Tennessee whiskey and he said it was Chris Stapleton's version and Chris Stapleton made it famous again. Yeah. David Allen Cole did it and then yeah. George Jones did it and then now. Stapleton. I'm about to say that's just kind of too. Uh, was it Merle Haggard did Mama Tried? Mm-hmm. Yet there's a David Allen Coe version of it too. I haven't heard David Allen Coe's version. I gotta hear it. Yeah, I I haven't heard it. Um, my buddy Moses, when we'll play, like we'll get into song, getting into like a set later on. We're like, okay, where are we gonna go with this? It's like I'll play a little David Allen Coe. All of a sudden he pulls out Mama Tried, and I'm like, that's Merle Haggard. <laughs> But I mean, yeah, it was it? I think isn't there like a Roy Clark version of uh, Folsom Prison too? I'm sure there is. Roy Clark, like is an amazing guitarist, like there was amazing guitarist. There's so many different like interpretations of songs, and to me, that's like the best part. Uh, I, I do I do that in a songwriting group that I run. That's one of the exercises is bring your song in. Yeah, we can't do it because of COVID cut everything down, but it's like bring your song in and let somebody else play it. 
because you'll yeah. you one is like I said, it's a different perspective. They'll play it, but yeah. you'll hear things that you won't normally hear if you're singing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, the thing with like the song I played, uh, if it was me, that walk down, mm-hmm. I never had the walk down. Uh, my friend Hughes Taylor, we were messing around with it. He's helped me kind of do a demo of it just to have because we we're going to try to copyright it. Right. And uh, you know, he starts doing that walk down. And, and I'm just like, I actually like the way that sounds. So I, you know, started throwing it in there, started adding it. Um, you know, there's there's different sounds and stuff. Like it's hearing other people's interpretations that really make it into something. Yeah. And I mean, to me, that song's evolved because I've, I've heard other people kind of direct me where to go with it. I think if I remember right, the first time I did it is like, if it was me, uh, I'd notice. I I can't remember. Remember what the first line, the second one was like, I'd look into your blue eyes. Uh-huh. I, I don't know what is about blue eyes. I, I write that a lot. Because um, blue eyes are one of those things that just are special. I mean, I I'm brown so. eyed. My, yeah. my twins, the boys brown eyed, the girls blue eyed. Yeah. My wife is blue eyed. But uh, a friend of mine, her name is Pura, Pura Faye. Pura was with the group Ulali. She's a big native singer. Okay. Um, huge name pure pure is like a legend in native music and she saw my video like the first time i played it out played it because i was just trying out different stuff she's like why don't you try this why don't you try looking to the heart your heart and boom right there it is and now it's like oh that, that sounds so much better i noticed you from the start i look into your heart like now it, i i noticed that line that was the one that was one of the important things that kicked out like, oh that's really good how you said that like damn it, i should have thought of something like that it was good yeah all right i like that why don't you get you one more song here because it's getting dark. I'll go live yeah. with you real quick. Yeah. And then uh, when I go live, just tell if my phone's not dead. Yeah. No, I still got a little bit of I was charging when you got here. So for that very reason, because I knew that I hit. <laughs> when yeah. I did with uh, Aaron, it actually died. It was so cold, it died on me. <laughs> so, I mean, I had like 15%. And yeah. as soon as I turned it on, it, it died. So I'm going to go live real quick. on the. Are you good with me going live? For yeah, you? go ahead. Go ahead. Um. I, should, I guess I should ask that first. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is the song I was talking about. My ex-girlfriend, we were dancing at a gig, and I later wrote it. The song's called Made for Two. Okay. What's up, people? My name is Ryan Little Eagle. I'm living over in Dawson County from South Texas originally. I'm a Lakota singer-songwriter. Yeah, this is my song, Made for Two. If I can get it right. It's cold. <laughs> Can't feel my hand. <laughs> Two people alone on that dance floor. Sliding back and forth across the room. Our favorite songs playing on the radio. Nothing there between us but this night. Moving together to the beat of love. Nothing matters, it's just me and you. 
tight in these arms of mine In this love made for two In this love made for two I'm lost in those blue eyes of yours You're listening to the rhythm from my heart We're in this moment with no one else God in an instant in time just ends Moving together to the beat of love And nothing matters, it's just me and you I'll hold you tight, those arms of mine Yeah, this love made for two Made for two. I'm twirling you around. I'm watching you smile. Lighting up the room like the sun. I see you shining, stars above. You can find me on social media, Ryan Little Eagle. Uh, put it in Google, too, and I swear to God, it, it pulls me up. I'm <laughs> one of the only Ryan Little Eagles apparently out there. You can find me on Instagram at Little Eagle underscore music. Of course, you can find me on YouTube. Again, just type in Ryan Little Eagle, and it'll pull me up. We'll see you all next time. Talk shock. Not into that. All right, now, before you go, if you listen to the podcast, you know where I'm going. Hey, Share that. All right, now. <laughs> Does it every time. I don't know how to stop it. I'm not technically sound. <laughs> so I have to wait for good. it. Usually I'll edit it out. Uh, tell about your hidden talent. Hidden talent. Now we know about your, your Native American heritage. I've, we were talking about that. So something that, that's made I guess I'm a, I'm a traditional dancer. I do a men's northern traditional. It's a old school warrior dance. You know, I, I powwow sing. Okay. Uh... I'm not if, really sure much of a hidden talent. If I had a video camera, I would ask you to do your dance. 
<laughs> You're lucky I don't do YouTube. Because <laughs> I always see, I always like asking people. That, yeah. Everybody has hidden talent. We all know your music. That's this whole podcast is a music based yeah. podcast. So it's, but I like hearing stories of everything else too. So there's more to everybody than a song because there's always stories behind song that yeah. are either interesting or maybe it was weird. You know, there's something that brought it in. And then like, oh, okay, so this is why. And then like a clear blue sky yeah. for George Strait. The guy got it because of Forrest Gump, the guy that wrote it. He was talking about it. Huh. And so he's like, right out of the clear blue sky. Yeah. If you listen, watch that movie. And then he, he told a story. George said, why don't we do it like clear sky, a blue, a blue clear sky. And he goes, nope. He says, then I had to talk about Jenny and I had to talk about Forrest. And Jenny. I love that movie. Jenny. <laughs> I may not know what love is, Jenny. I love Jenny. That's a great movie. Tom yeah. Hanks, if you ever listening, that was a good one. Up. Wow, I did not know that about uh, Blue Clear Sky. That's that's cool. Yep. So it's it's funny. I like stories. I, I yeah. like that's the whole point of this is to hear stories and to help you guys. And then if you have a finished song that you want me to put at the end of the podcast, let me know. I'll put one in. If you got yeah. one on. Uh, yeah, I've got one. Uh, it's not officially released yet. Okay. But um, give a sneak peek at it. Okay. If you want me to put it in, then we'll put it in. Just send me the the MP3, and I'll add it to it at the very end of the, yeah, the uh, podcast episode. Yeah, definitely. And then if you ever want to put one in the countdown that I do, you have like a Reverb, SoundCloud, Spotify. I do send have SoundCloud. Do you? Let me yeah. know. I'll put it in too. So okay. So I always let everybody go and do that. Sweet. Appreciate that. And then eventually, like I said, what? This I'll put this on WFMC Jams. They always release my, my uh, episodes for me. Yeah. So shout out to those guys because they, they do a lot for us. And you're actually going up there tomorrow. Yep, I will be up there tomorrow in Tennessee to kind of go through that. I got my masquerading, you know. Yep. <laughs> so you, you'll have a good time up there with those guys. You and Thomas Hind are going up there. So another Georgia, Georgia native. Well, he's in New Mexico, but you're in Georgia <laughs> now, so you're a Georgia native. Yeah. Thank you again for coming up, Ryan. I know it's cold you. and you've been Appreciate brave out here in this, this weather. I like yeah. working. We're going to do this again when it gets warmer, too. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm going to have a studio. <laughs> All right, everybody. That was Ryan Little Eagle. This is Georgia Songbirds.